chapter 3. And let's look at the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this day that we can come together and sing praise to your name and we can sing about the fact that, uh, Lord, we are saved by grace through faith. Lord, help us this morning as we look into your word that we would receive from you a blessing, an encouragement. Lord God, that uh, your word would speak to us and that, Lord, we would be blessed by its truth. Lord, give me wisdom from on high, I pray, to speak your word the way you would have it spoken and Lord God that uh, I would have clarity of speech would give me clarity of thought and that Lord God that you would be exalted and praised today Lord Father we thank you for who you are we know that we are what we are by your grace and Father we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory this day in Jesus name In Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 3, up to verse 21, the apostle has given a clear and plain uh, demonstration, if you like, of the way of salvation, that it's only found in Jesus Christ and only found by Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross of Calvary. And here in Romans chapter 3, verses 27 to 31, the apostle returns back to his original subject, in relation to the total inability of the Jew and the Gentile to justify themselves before God. Salvation, he declares, is all of Christ. And there is nothing that you and I can do to add to that salvation. And Paul has made that abundantly clear in Romans chapter 3 in particular, that it's all of Christ and there's nothing you and I can do because there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand, there's none that seek after God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So since salvation is all of God, Paul now asks a series of questions in these closing verses of this chapter before he moves on to the subject of justification in particular in chapter 4. And it's those series of questions I want us to consider this morning. First of all, he asks in verse 27, where is boasting then? Where is boasting then? In Romans chapter 3 and verse 27, Paul suddenly halts his discussion that he's been having with regard to the righteousness required for salvation. Now, that righteousness does not come by any other means than by Christ and by the blood of Christ. And he halts the discussion almost abruptly in the middle of this conversation. In verse 28, he says, uh, verse 26 and 27, sorry, verse 26 and uh, verse 25 and 26, he says, whom God has set forth with propitiation through faith in his blood, declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. Then he says, where is boasting then or how can a man boast of what is theirs only by faith how can a Christian be proud how can a Christian be self-righteous when it's all of Christ well the answer is he can't you and I cannot boast you and I have nothing to boast about 
Because the price was paid for our redemption by somebody else. The price that was paid for our redemption was not of our own doing. It had nothing to do with us. You and I were wretched sinners. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but Christ died in our place. Our salvation, our redemption, our justification is found in Christ and Christ alone. You and I are justified freely by his grace. And therefore, the conclusion of the matter is this, that there is no room for self-congratulation or for self-credit. There's no reason for boasting. In fact, he says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. It's excluded. The word excluded here is a, is a, is a great word. It means once for all, boasting has been banished. Or it's completely shut out. As far as boasting is concerned, as far as you and I as believers are concerned, it's completely shut out. You and I have nothing to boast about. It's all excluded. Paul then asks another question. He says, where's boasting then? Is It is excluded. By what law? By what law? Or on what basis... Or by what rule is boasting and glorying excluded? What is the, what's the justification of this statement? Where is boasting then? It's excluded. What's the basis for that declaration? What law? To which he answers, of works? Another question. Is it by works that this boasting is excluded? Well, the answer, of course, is nay. As he says there, he says... By what law? Of works? Nay. No, it's not. Not by works. You know, if it was found in keeping of works, keeping the law or by doing works, then boasting would not be excluded, would it? You know, one believer would say, well, I have done all of this and that's what's achieved. I have achieved my salvation by keeping this amount of the law. And somebody else would say, well, I've achieved my salvation by this amount of works. In fact, the, if it was not of grace, if it was of works, then that would be the foundation for boasting. If man seeks righteousness by works, boasting is established, not excluded. So what is the answer? Well, he gives the answer in verse 27. He says, by what law? Of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. The law of faith, or the doctrine of justification, the doctrine of salvation by faith. Now, we need to understand that when the word law here is used, this is, is, is not by a law requiring faith or uh, somehow there's a law out there that you and I have to keep in order to be saved, but by faith in Christ. The word law here signifies a doctrine or an instruction. You know, the first five books of the Bible are called the law. Okay, this is instruction, this is doctrine, this is teachings from God's word. So in the context here, it refers to the doctrine of the gospel, the doctrine of salvation. And what the apostle is saying is that pride is excluded because it is completely incompatible with the doctrine 
of salvation that is freely asked through faith. Salvation by works, salvation by keeping the law, is a completely opposite and completely at odds with the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. You can't have both. Boasting is excluded by the doctrine of faith. It can't be faith plus works, because if it's faith plus works, then the works component become the boasting part. If boasting is to be excluded, and it is excluded, it's because it's all of faith. It's all of Christ and none of ourselves. Faith in Christ alone saves you and I, not works. Salvation is all of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for by grace you're saved through, through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You know, you and I cannot glory in anything but the work of Christ. Because we are what we are by God's grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 10 says this, but by the grace of God I am what I am. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, we read, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The, all our glorying, all of our praising, all of our boasting has to be in Christ and Christ alone. We are what we are by the grace of God. All the, all the praise belongs to him. Go to Revelation chapter 5, please. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 depicts for us a scene in heaven where praise is being sung to the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, we read this. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Don't the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on, on the earth and under the earth, and such are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that believeth forever and ever. Here is a scene from heaven where you and I are going to be. And we're going to be in this heavenly choir and the song we're going to sing is Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honour and glory and power. Why? Because it's all of him. All our... All our praise belongs to him. For he alone is worthy. 
There is no boasting. You and I have nothing to boast about. We are simply sinners saved by grace. The only difference between us and the unsaved is that we're saved by grace. They're sinners, we're sinners, but we're saved by grace. And today the boasting that you and I do, the rejoicing, the glorying that you and I must do is in the Lamb of God. God's work of salvation removes all boasting because it's all of God. In Romans 8, uh, Romans 3, sorry, verse 28, the apostle then goes into the state, therefore we conclude that justification is by faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the Lord. Justification is by faith. Seeing that the things just mentioned cannot be denied, seeing that all of us are sinners before a holy God, seeing that all of us are guilty before God for all of sin and come short of the glory of God and there is none righteous known at one and the seeing that you and I cannot save ourselves it's concluded he says that a man any man is justified that is he has been has his sins blotted out by faith in Christ's blood Justification is by faith. It's concluded that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It isn't that we're justified by faith plus whatever deeds of the law we can do. We're justified by faith alone apart from the deeds of the law. You know, that's a glorious truth. There is nothing you and I can do. There's no part of the law that you and I can keep that can assist in our salvation. It's all of God. We're justified by faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, please. Galatians 3.13. It says this, it says, uh, verse 12, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, be made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You and I have been redeemed because Jesus Christ became a curse for us. He paid the debt. He paid the, the price of our redemption and now you and I are justified by faith. Now ask yourself this question. Surely he would not have suffered the terrible things he did if there was some other way. I mean, the cross was not something that Christ relished. We're told in Hebrews that despite the shame, he endured the cross. But we do know the night in which he was betrayed and was about to go to Calvary, we know that he was in the garden praying to the Father. In Luke 22, verse 42, he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I think there we see the anguish of his soul, but I think also we see a declaration of the fact that the only means of salvation is the cross. Then Christ has made it clear to us that if there was any other way for this to happen, then it would have happened any other way, but there was no other way. Calvary was the only way. The death of Christ was the only way. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is the only way. Redemption, justification, salvation is ours only because of Calvary. There is no other way. And therefore we conclude that a man is justified apart from the works of the law. You know, the cost of the gift of salvation, which was the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God should make it plain to you and I that works for salvation are pointless. If the sinless Son of God died upon the cross of Calvary for our sins, it ought to make it clear to you and I that there is no other means of salvation, that works are pointless. Dependence upon works is a rejection of God's plan of salvation. It's a rejection of God's grace. To say I'm going to save myself by my works and that when I get to heaven, God's going to weigh my good against my bad and hopefully my good will outweigh my bad and therefore I'll make it to heaven is a rejection of the grace of God. To somehow to think that we can give God a helping hand that I believe in Jesus Christ but I've got to do these works to be saved and stay saved is a rejection of the grace of God. Jesus Christ went to Calvary to purchase our redemption so that you and I could be justified apart from the works of the law. You and I have to do nothing but believe to be saved. In Luther's translation of the New Testament in, and his translation particularly of Romans 3.28, he says this, So we hold that a person is justified without works of the law through faith alone. And he was roundly criticized for adding the word alone because of course it's not there in the Greek and it's not there in the King James either. It says they're justified without the deeds of the law. He added the word alone. Justified by faith alone. And to this he answered this. He said, if your papist makes much useless fuss about the word alone, tell him at once Dr. Martin Luther will have it so. Are they the papist doctors? So am I. Are they learned? So am I. Are they preachers? So am I. Are they theologians? So am I. Therefore the word alone shall remain in my New Testament. And though all papal donkeys get furious, they shall not take it out. Luther was right, you know, justification and salvation is by faith alone. Not by works, it's by faith alone. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You've all heard that phrase. See, the thing that made the difference to Luther was Luther, a Catholic monk, who, who was trying his best to get to heaven by all sorts of things. He would beat himself and he would deprive himself and he would spend hours of reading and, and meditating and praying, but nothing satisfied his soul till he was reading Romans and he realized in Romans the salvation and justification was by faith alone, in Christ alone. 
by grace alone. That's why he put the word alone in his translation, because he understood that justification, as Paul says in verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, by faith alone. I don't know about you, but I praise God that I'm saved apart from the works of the law. I'm glad I didn't have to do anything to save myself and I don't have to do anything to keep myself saved. Because I don't know about you, but if I had to, had to have a part in my salvation, I'd never been saved. And if I had to have a part in keeping myself saved, I'd be a worry warp because every day I fail my God. I am so thankful today that salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, and by faith alone. Jesus paid it all. Then he gives two more questions to explain the justifications available to all. In verses 29 and 30. Is he the God of the Jews only? Or is not also the Gentile, of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seen is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. He asked these two questions. He asked the first question, is he the God of the Jews only? And then he says, the second question, is he not also of the Gentiles? And here he has made it clear that the universal character of the offer of salvation means it includes all. Simple fact. He's demonstrating a simple fact that he is not only the God of the Jews, but he's the God of the Gentiles. Since there is only one God, notice what he says there in verse 28, no, verse 29, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing that it is one God. Since there is only one God, then God is the God of the Gentiles as much as he's the God of the Jews. So not only is this righteousness available to both Jew and Gentile, it's also received in the same way by Jew and Gentile, by faith. That's what he says in verse 30. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision by faith. Salvation of Jew and Gentile is by faith. It's not by works of the law for the Jews and by faith for the Gentiles or doing certain works for the Gentiles and by faith for the Jews. Salvation of both Jew and Gentile is by the same means. It's by faith because it's the same God who justifies all. Now, for those of you who are astute and alert, you'll have noticed, he says in verse 30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith, and uncircumcision through faith. So if you were alert and astute this morning, you'd have said, what's the difference between by and through? And the answer is nothing. Okay, just in case. Because I asked the question this week, because I was reading this passage, I thought, okay, why two different words? Actually, it's two different Greek words, but they actually mean exactly the same thing. Okay? There's no distinction between these two words. It's simply saying that salvation comes by grace through faith for both the Jew and 
the Gentile. The faith is the instrumental cause of justification or acceptance with God, is one way uh, one author put it. You know, if salvation came by works or by keeping the law, then the Gentiles who are outside the law could not receive salvation. We would have no choice of salvation. God could only be then the God of the Jews. He would only save the Jews because they're the ones who were given the law. Truth is the Gentiles weren't given the law. They had the law. And if salvation comes by the law, then Jews only get saved. And the Gentiles in reality would have to look elsewhere for salvation, possibly to some other God. But Romans chapter 3 and verse 30 makes abundantly clear. The Apostle Paul rejects this statement of the salvation of the Jews is in the law and the salvation of the Gentiles is who knows where it is. He rejects this and he affirms that there's only one God and therefore there's one salvation. And the Bible makes that clear, doesn't it? That whosoever will may come. Later in Romans, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, the apostle is going to say this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The whosoever there includes everybody. It's all inclusive. John 3.16 is all inclusive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In fact, there is nowhere in the word of God that this salvation is not all inclusive. It's for whosoever will can be saved. It's free to all by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. What the world needs today is Christ. What the world needs today is salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world doesn't need to be Christianized. The world doesn't need to be uh, browbeaten into living by Christian principles. What the world needs today is Jesus Christ, for he's the only one that can make the difference. He's the only one who can save mankind. What the world needs today is Christ. One last question remains in verse 31. And the question is this, he says, do we then make void the law through faith? Do we then make the law void through faith? To which Paul answers, no, on the contrary, God forbid, yea, we establish the law. You know, you, you know, I can see how somebody might ask, if the law doesn't make us righteous, what good is it? I mean, what's the point of the law? Why, why did God go to all the effort of giving the Jews the first five books of the Bible? If the law is irrelevant, if the law doesn't justify us, if the law doesn't save us, what is the point of the law? What good is it? You could almost hear people saying, Paul, you've just made the law void. And you are going against the law of God. To which Paul answers abruptly, he says, God forbid. The word God forbid there means by no means. On the contrary. We establish the law. 
He says we don't, by, by preaching salvation by grace through faith in the finished word of Christ upon the cross of Calvary, by faith alone in Christ alone, by preaching that, we don't make the law void. We actually establish the law. The word established means to cause to stand. He says we actually, by preaching salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we actually establish, we actually cause the law to stand. Now what he's done is he's explained that the law stands not as a ground of justification, but, by as, but as the means of teaching the need for justification, apart from the works of the law. See, one of the problems the Jew had was they thought that their salvation was dependent upon keeping the law. And they felt that if they kept the law, that saved them. Remember the young man who came to Christ and asked what he had to do to inherit eternal life? He said, I've kept the law from my childhood. He missed the point. The law was not about saving you. The law was about establishing the need to be saved. You see, justification by faith establishes the law. It makes, makes the law stand up for what it's supposed to be there for. It puts the law back where it belongs, which is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Not as the means of salvation, but demonstrating that we need justification. And in Romans chapter 4 and following, that's what's going to be demonstrated to us with regard to this matter of justification. Because he goes on in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, What shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. And he's going to go on using Abraham as an illustration of this whole point. The law is established because God satisfied his holy demands and the holy demands of the law in the penalty inflicted upon his son. You see, the law reveals to you and I that we're all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. That we've all gone out of the way. We're all like sheep going astray. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The law demonstrates our very nature that we are sinners before a holy God. And Jesus and, and the law demands that somebody dies for that sin, that the penalty of sin is death, for the wage of sin is death. Somebody has to die to pay for that sin. And those who are unsaved, the penalty is going to be paid by the unsaved. They will spend eternity in the lake of fire, separated from a holy God, because their sin must be paid for. The law demands justice. And sin must be paid for. For God to be God, he must punish sin. But God is a God of love. And so he sent his son to die upon the cross of Calvary in our place and he became a curse for us. The judgment of God's law rests upon Jesus Christ. He became sin for us and you know sin. Why? So that you and I might be declared the rights of God in him. So that you and I might be justified in him. 
So Jesus Christ satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God. He paid the price for our redemption. He paid the price required by the law. And now God can offer salvation to you and I by faith. The death of Christ makes it possible for man to be saved. Now, the forceful carriage of God's an uh, Paul's answer, God forbid, most probably is explained in the light of the fact that there were those who were saying, let us do away then with the law. For all we need is faith. But let's just do away with the law. It doesn't matter. We can live as we please. We get saved by faith. It doesn't matter what we do. Let's just get away with the law. It's not needed. Well, Paul makes it clear. He says, listen, do we make the law, uh, make void the law through faith? God forbid. Paul says, of course not. Salvation is complete. That's true. It's finished. It was finished on the cross of Calvary. The work of God is done. But this doesn't mean that the law has no value. It's true that we have liberty in Christ and now that doesn't, uh, and now you and I don't need to keep the law as such, but that does not give you and I the right to break the law. Nor does it give us license to sin. I mean, the law still is God's righteous standard. Nothing's changed there. Before we say, we look at the law and we realize we can't live by that law, which makes us realize we're sinners before the Holy God. Therefore, we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we're gloriously saved by grace through faith. But now that we're saved, God's law still stands. It still is God's standard. And now by his grace, as Darren was trying to uh, tell us about in this morning, in Galatians chapter 6, as Paul concludes in the book of Galatians, all about the fact that we're saved by grace and we're sanctified by grace, that you and I live by faith. We're saved by faith and we live by faith. And as you and I walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but you and I will fulfill the law of God. The law that God now writes in our hearts and empowers us through his Spirit to live. You and I are to be transformed by his Spirit from glory to glory. The law still is God's law. The law is still God's holy standard. The law is still something that you and I ought to desire to live by. But now we live by it through the power of his spirits working in us, not by you and I trying to keep the letter of the law. You know, we don't somehow write up the law on the, on the uh, stick on the refrigerator and we tick it off each day to make sure that you and I have lived by the letter of the law. What we do is we yield ourselves to God. We yield ourselves to his leading and we allow the Spirit of God to work in us. And as the Spirit of God works in us, he transforms us by the renewing of our minds so that you and I can live day by day according to his glorious will. And therefore the law of God is demonstrated to an unsaved world who then realize even by our lives that they fall short of God's glory. You see, justification establishes the law. It puts the law back where it belongs, which is in its rightful place. It's not a means of salvation. It's the means of showing us the need of salvation. 
What Paul is saying here is that we're not degrading the law by saying this. All we're doing is putting the law where it ought to be, back at its rightful place. Look in Romans chapter uh, 3 and verse 20. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's what the law was given. And while we cannot, while the law cannot save us, it does point us to salvation. And so it's established. Or given his rightful place of revealing sin through justification. Sin must be measured by God's standard, the law. And the cross made full payment for that sin. So that by his cross, Christ could establish the law. The price was paid. The law was satisfied. Now you and I are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Jesus paid it all. And now by faith, salvation is applied to our lives and you and I are justified. I trust you know Jesus Christ is saved today. I trust you can say I know for a fact that I am saved today by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Because that's the glorious truth. Saved by grace. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the glorious truth. Father God, it's told in your word that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone that we're saved. There is no other means of salvation. The law was given to teach us that the need for salvation was never a means to salvation. Lord, help us. <coughs> you know the Savior daily gives thanks for our salvation by grace through faith. And if anybody here today who doesn't know you as their Savior, may they realize that what they need is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And they trust him this day before it's eternally too late. Bless now as we close with him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing hymn of 203 as we close. Whosoever will.